We would normally, at this time, dismiss our children to kids' camp and nursery. However, this is a special day. It's New Year's Eve. New Year's Day, not New Year's Eve. And we are going to worship together as a family. So, kids, you're staying here today. And uh, we do have an exciting announcement that starting on February 5th, now I can't remember the day, the first Sunday in February, we will be starting having kids camp include pre-K through fifth grade instead of pre-K through second grade. So you're all, we'll, you all will be up there every Sunday, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, let us say a New Year's blessing on this day. Lord God, we thank you for 2022, for all of its challenges and its triumphs, for all of the people we loved and lost and for all of the blessings you've given us. We pray that 2023 will be, have your love and light throughout all of the ups and downs. Amen. verses 21 through 38. When eight days had passed, Jesus' parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A, young, a man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temples so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. 
She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of of Jerusalem. Well, like I said, I'm Stephanie. Uh, I'm the pastor of Family Life here. You may be wondering where Pastor Craig is, or maybe you're not because he's sitting right over there. Um, uh, He's taking today as a vacation day, so he's just here worshiping today with us. And you get me today, so uh, there you go. Awesome. (laughs) So we've been talking about the with us God throughout our our Advent series and how God is with us and has placed people in our lives and our community to be with us as well. And today's passage takes place during one of the most special and challenging and vulnerable times in any parent's life, the fourth trimester. Some of you might think that that's a new term for you, and some of you might be boggled because you're like, trimester means three, why are there four? Uh, When you are pregnant, there's a first, second, and third trimester, and each is a 12-week period. And so this was a uh, a term coined in the early 2000s that talks about the first 12 weeks of a baby's life as the fourth trimester. In many cultures, this, this time is called the lying-in period, where women just stay in bed with their baby, they take care of the baby, and their female relatives and friends take care of themselves. For Mary and Joseph, they participated in something that their culture uh, practiced, and that was taking their son to the temple on the eighth day to get him circumcised. So they packed up and went to the temple. When I was reading this story this time, I was reminded of something that I've experienced three different times, and that is bringing your new baby to church for the first time. I don't know if you've noticed, but babies nowadays come with a lot of stuff. There's the car seat, the diaper bag, the stroller, the carrier, and like 10 other things you pack because you're like, I just might need this. And I can speak from experience that it's, it's a journey. It's, a, it's an adventure, really, to the first time you bring your new baby to church. The first time we did uh, was with our, our daughter, Lizzie. There she is. I had to show her off a little bit, right? I had to be that mom. And we were both pastors on staff at this church, and we were late because uh, Myers are not a good example of this because they came half an hour early today with their new baby. But usually, babies make you late (laughs) for everything. So we were late, and we tried to sneak in the back, and we're just going to see how it went and trying to sneak in, sneak out. Well, it was a smaller church, and so the lead pastor was up talking when we came in, and he immediately pointed us out and shouted us out and was like, Lizzie's here! Not us, it was Lizzie. And so afterwards, everybody beelined over to us. And and I was a cautious new mom. I didn't want anybody to hold her, and I was worried about her getting sick, but I was also really excited to share her with my community. I mean, you saw her. She was adorable. So, obviously. But... They were people who had been in my life who were elated when we announced that I was pregnant. 
who encouraged me and supported me during my pregnancy. They threw us a wonderful baby shower where they equipped us and provided for us many of that stuff that we, that we needed. And they lovingly prepared and brought over meals three times a week for several weeks after Lizzie was born. So of course I wanted to share my beautiful daughter with them because they were helping us already become the parents that we needed to be. And I know Mary and Joseph probably didn't have all the gear, weren't very many car seats and diaper genies in the ancient Near East, but I imagine that their experience was very similar. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to share him with their community, to have him participate in the rituals and the laws that that they practiced in their community, even as a newborn baby. So let's read what happens when they do bring Jesus to the temple. I'm reading Luke 2, starting in verse 22 from the message. Then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete... They took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be holy, a holy offering to God, and also to sacrifice the pair of doves and two young pigeons prescribed in God's law. In Jerusalem at this time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple as the parents of the child Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law. Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I see your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see a God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people, Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise after these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, this child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted, the pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. <clears throat> Anna the prophetess was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshiping night and day with her fastings and prayers. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. I love that it says Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Well, yeah. I mean, I know that angels came to Mary and Joseph and said, this, is, this baby is going to be the savior of all humanity. But at this point, the baby Jesus is just eating and sleeping and, you know, the other thing that babies do. <laughs> yes, that is what I meant. Um, and he's keeping him up all night. He's both the most challenging thing they've ever experienced, but also the thing that they've most loved in their entire lives. They're in survival mode on day eight. So they're not thinking about how 
their baby is going to save the world. But then comes Simeon, and Simeon can see who that baby is. We're told that Simeon is a good man and that the Holy Spirit is upon him. Simeon was a devout person, and God placed him in that temple that day to bless Jesus and his parents. God led him there with the purpose, with a calling, to offer encouragement and blessing and confirmation on who Jesus was. And we've all had people like that in our lives, haven't we? People who God has placed in our lives with a purpose. Those people who have been there to bless us and invest in us. Maybe it was a pastor or a teacher or a youth group leader. I knew I wanted to tell you about someone today, and I actually had a hard time picking because I've had a lot of amazing mentors and um, people who have blessed and invested in me in my different stages of life. The person I picked is someone somewhat recent, the person who uh, called us out from the front when we brought Lizzie. His name is Kelly Coho. He was the pastor of the church in uh, our church in Portland. I met Kelly my third year in seminary. Uh, Evan was there already. He was my then boyfriend, now husband Evan. He was going through the ordination process there. In case you didn't know, my husband's also an ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church, also a pastor. And, and so the first day I got there, uh, Kelly was trying to beeline it towards me to come meet me, because he'd heard about me but hadn't met me. But if you haven't noticed, after pastors uh, preach on a Sunday, they often get a lot of people coming up to them. So he was trying to make his way through, but people kept grabbing him at different times, and he got right next to us, and someone came up and talked to him. And so Evan and I started to walk away, because we were just like, well, we'll see him later. And he grabbed Evan's arm, looked at me, and goes, you're not going anywhere. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oops. And little did I know I was not going anywhere for several years. <laughs> up until that point, I had not really been in a denomination or a church that affirmed women in ministry. It was often in supporting roles, but never in leadership or pastoral role. But I knew I had a calling. I knew a God, that God had gifted me to be a pastor, to be in, in leadership, but had not been affirmed in that. And Kelly became my mentor through the ordination process, and he affirmed my calling. He affirmed my gifts. He taught me to be a pastor. And not only was he my ministry mentor, but he and his wife, Sarah, also a pastor and ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church, really mentored both, of, both Evan and I in what it was like to be a pastoral couple, a, a partnership in ministry. And through our time together, um, we got married, had kids, and they cared for us as a couple, as a family, and they walked us through some really rough times. I thank God for Kelly and Sarah each day because they blessed us and invested in us, and it changed our lives forever. If you were here this summer, you might remember the kids' camp moment that I, was, that I would do, where I made you all talk to each other. It was fun, right? I'm going to make you do it again. <laughs> 
So you can talk to the people you came with or the people around you. If you're not comfortable talking to other people, that's totally fine. You can talk to yourself. You can, talk, you can think about it for yourself. You can talk to God about it. But I want you to at least think about it. And if you're at home, you can talk to the people around you, talk to a pet, dog, fish, whatever you have, or you can talk to God about it. I just want you to think about the answers to these questions. So let's take a look at them. What person or persons have blessed you, and how have they blessed you? All right, you got two minutes, and I will tell you when it's time to wrap up. Ready, set, go. You can talk now. <laughs> I'm sorry, but hopefully you can share afterwards, or at least think of these people in your lives. But we have another person to talk about who blesses Jesus on this day, and that is the prophetess Anna. Anna was a widow and had lived at the temple for many, many years. She was an older woman, some might say seasoned, and she was very respected in the community was a prophetess, so she was a spiritual authority in the community. And she recognized Jesus for who he was and praised God for him and blessed him. I know we probably don't think that Jesus really needs blessing from other people because he's, you know, Jesus, right? But these blessings are really important. They are being told to us for a reason. 
They're God's revelation for Mary and Jesus. And Jesus returns to the temple to make it more in line with these blessings. And it was really important that Simeon and Anna, both people who were seasoned and respected people in the community who had the Holy Spirit with them, be the people who took the time to bless and invest in Jesus and his family. And we are all called to bless and invest in people over and over and over and over again. Because we are called not just to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, but also we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And loving people means taking time to invest in them. So I have another question for you to answer with the people around you. Who are you investing your blessing in? Now, if you can't think of anything, anybody, this is not meant to shame you. This is meant for you to start thinking about who you can invest in and ways that you can find people to invest in. All right, same rules apply. Go. So both Anna and Simeon have a lot of reasons for why they shouldn't be the ones blessing Jesus. Anna could say she's too old. She's done this many times before. She's done her job. She doesn't need to do it anymore. Simeon is not a pastorally, theologically trained person. He's a regular guy with a day job. But God placed him there with the Holy Spirit that day. He was a devout man, and his faith in God, but he was used by God in that day. And you might not think that you are qualified to bless and invest either. But you are, and you're called to do it. And there are a lot of ways you can do so. There are ways here. You can serve in kids' camp as a teacher, an assistant, or a nursery worker. You can... Serve with the youth as a youth uh, leader for middle school and high school kids. You can serve with fostering hope and bless the families that need blessing there. You can start 
your own small group and take the, take the class that starts this, this month to prepare for it. Maybe you want to serve with a local nonprofit or your local school and bless them those, with those uh, families there. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker. No one is too old, too young, or too busy to do this. There's so many opportunities to bless and invest in the people around you if you're just open to who God has put in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the people you've placed in our lives who have blessed and invested in us. Thank you for the love you've shown us through those people. Thank you for the opportunities we've had to bless and invest in people and for the opportunities we will have. We love you. Amen. Now let us move into our time of communion. On the night Jesus was born, or on the night Jesus gave himself up for us, he gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you and said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here. On these gifts of bread and wine, may they be the body and blood of Christ as we may be the, for the world, the body of Christ redeemed in him. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.